Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, it's Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. Today we are with Timothy and we're going to talk about the business of time. And that just means that time to me is the most valuable resource. It's the it's the one resource that we can't get more of. We have a finite amount of it and that we get to choose what we're going to do with our time. So Timothy, if you could please give us a short bio and let's get into the topic. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me, Ruben. Uh, my name is Timothy De Jesus. I'm the author of The Business of Time. Uh, I'm sure people have seen me on LinkedIn doing the DJ videos. That's just for fun. A little bit of money here and there. Uh, and I also have my own company, which is Dealer Masters, which is an automotive training and consulting company. Um, but I wrote The Business of Time because I spent 20 years working and uh, really doing things that I, I didn't enjoy that much, but I was good at. To make it to make a living, and I started to realize that it was a really tough way to live. And as I started to research more ways to earn money, and I started to educate myself, I started to realize there's so many better ways to do it. You don't have to just have one job throughout your entire life. You don't have to just do one thing. There's plenty of ways to earn money. There's plenty of ways to do it without having to physically work on the clock for someone else. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's a topic that a lot of people really can appreciate and learn from because, you know, I know most of the people in my circle growing up, we only knew it one way. You got a job and you, you know, that's what you did. And you worked until you had enough money to retire. Mm. And there's so many better ways to do it. And that's what the book is about. The book's about educating people, you know, better ways of, of living so you don't have to physically work so much and you can enjoy your life as opposed to feeling like you have to work just to support your family. Mm. And what was your <clears throat> what was your wake up call to your morality, as I <laughs> might call it? <laughs> I, I've had some moments in my life where I feel my mortality, you know, um, yes. you know, I there's there was a, there's some great content around this idea of if we could live forever what would we, how would we act? What would we be like? So actually one of my favorite videos on this is from Neil deGrasse Tyson, where someone asks him, if you could live forever, would you? And he says, absolutely not. Because if I could live forever, then I would never feel compelled to get stuff done on a daily basis. I would always procrastinate it until the next day. And then ultimately I would never get anything done. So having this finite amount of time in our lives actually compels us to want to stay on our purpose to provide value and to earn a, a hell of a tombstone <laughs> that's got, you know, a bunch of people at the funeral <laughs> and a cool quote. <laughs> no, definitely. I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, the, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. And, you know, what we do in those 24 hours has, has an impact on our mental health and our overall happiness, you know. And uh, the one thing that kind of woke me up to it was, you know, me personally, I was in the car business for 15 years um, on both sides, both working for car dealerships and also working for lenders who worked for car dealerships. 
And what woke me up was, you know, I was working for the last dealership I was working for. You know, I'm the type of person that takes ownership of everything. So I was the operations manager. I was responsible for the success of the dealership. I would be, I would wake up with ideas and I'd be up at 3 a.m. in the morning and I'd be, you know, updating their website or, you know, like trying to put ads together, doing things like this, three, four in the morning. And one day I just woke up and I said, well, what would happen if I was to put this same energy and effort into working for myself? Mm. And so that was what kind of did it for me was that I started to realize like, you know, if I put this much effort into something that was for me, you know, I have un unlimited potential as far as my earnings are concerned. Um, and I'd also go a heck of a lot farther from a personal branding perspective and things like that. And so that's what kind of did it for me. I, I, I started to realize if I put the same energy into how hard I work for someone else into working for myself that I think I could do greater. And, and I really don't regret the decision. And the people are working for are great people, but I just, you know, it's, it's a decision that I'm happy to make. I'm glad I made, and I don't regret for one second. Mm. So basically you made a decision to go from a stable paycheck job from nine to five to a job that starts at five in the morning to nine at night where you don't make any money in the beginning. You have to take a bunch of risk, risk everything. It's <laughs> <laughs> exactly how it goes. Exactly how it goes. But, you know, the thing for me was, that, you know, like I just said, it wasn't a nine to five. I mean, you know, when you work at a car dealership, it's the hours are usually nine to eight, nine to nine. Sometimes I worked over the last 10 years. I can't even begin to tell you how many 60 hour work weeks I've worked. Mm. Um, and so that for me, like, again, I, I looked at it and I said, OK, if I'm going to make this much money right in these hours, what would it look like? Could I make more working the same amount for myself? The answer is yes. It's 100 percent. Yes. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, the last podcast I was on, we had a conversation and, you know, one of the frustrations in the car business and, and for a lot of people who have been in the car business for an extended period of time. One of the frustrations people have is it's a commission's job. But the owner ultimately decides if you can make too much money. And mm. at, at a certain point, if you exceed your commissions and they feel like you're making too much money, they pull you aside and say, hey, you're making too much. Now, it's a commission based. It's a commission based job where the more I make, the more the dealership makes. Mm -hmm. And yet, you know, in that situation, they would say to you, hey, you're making too much. I'm sorry. The position just doesn't call for you to make this much money. And they wanted to kind of reel you in and, and put a cap on your earnings. And that's, again, where I was like, well, if that's the case, what the heck am I working so hard for? But at the same time, I didn't have it in me to kind of pull back. You know what I mean? I'm kind of the I'm the kind of person that's all in. And, you know, when I was all in, unfortunately, it hurts when somebody tells you after you worked your butt off for them, hey, you have you're making too much money. Sorry, you can't make this much money. And I, I'd actually been let go for refusing to take a pay cut in the past. So, you know, it's it's a frustrating thing. That's the definition of a glass ceiling. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea that you you cap your earning, especially in a sales commissioned environment. Uh, I, I just think that that's bogus. So I'm with you. I think that that makes no sense. I think that's a failure on management's part. If you have someone that's exceeding quotas, that's earning more commissions that the than the job description calls for, 
that just means that that person is uh, is winning, you know, mm-hmm. and you know maybe that's a, a leadership opportunity. Maybe that person should have three people underneath them, where maybe they don't keep all the commissions themselves, but they're training other people to then rise up themselves. You know, I think that's just a classic failure on management's part, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the other the other thing that I really connect to here is this idea of you know feeling dr- driven and feeling. I earn on a commission and therefore I will work hard. And because mm-hmm. I'm working hard, I will receive a reward for that. That is the essence. That is the number, I think, two rule of economics, which is that people respond. Or I think it's the number one rule of economics where people respond to uh, incentives. I think the number two is that there's you know scarcity. But I think my, my takeaway here is that if you're in an environment where you don't feel like you're earning what you deserve to be earning, you are going to go find another opportunity. You know, I, I, and my last thought here real quick is, you know, I drive by the Nissan dealership a lot, you know, near my house, um, near my old house, I should say, because uh, across the street of it is one of my favorite middle Eastern restaurants. Whenever I can get over there, I just, I do. And I always notice at the dealership that there's like four salespeople that are just at the front door. And they're mm-hmm. all waiting for someone to come in. And I, I've never understood that. So I see drive. I see ambition. You know, I see a, a healthy amount of desire to earn. But I don't see any resourcefulness. I just see four people that are effectively fighting for the same thing. So this is like a multi-part question for you. But number number one question is, you know, how do you know when you need to spread your wings and you need to go? And number two is, how do you know when you're not doing the right thing in your current environment? That's great questions. Well, I think the first thing uh, about um, spreading your wings is you have to have some stability there, right? Um, You know, because I had earned so much over that 10 year span, you know, I was okay financially to take that risk. Um, So you have to have that stability there. You know, uh, you should have at least a four to six month cushion before you decide to spread your wings and fly. Because if you don't have that cushion and month one goes sideways, you're probably going to be looking for a job by month two or three, right? So I think you have to have some stability there if you're going to take that risk. Um, and I also think it's it's a feeling slash intuition. You know, this this decision was probably five years in the making. Um, and, you know, it, it was like I had, I had a good role and things were going good. And then I would exceed my cap and then something would go sideways. And then it happened again. And then I was like, okay, well, you know, that's twice the, the good old fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you. But, you know, I just continued to try to make it work because, like you said, there is a steady paycheck aspect to it. There is a beauty to having a steady paycheck. But you have to have the balance that the steady paycheck can't come at the cost of your mental health. And that's what was happening for me. You know, when people keep telling you, like you said, as you're working really hard and you want to, be up here because that's where your work ethic and that's where your level of play is. And somebody says, well, sorry, dude, you can only be here because this is what it calls for. And if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. That's going to, it's going to be a problem that, that, that definitely takes a toll. That took a toll on me personally. And I think for most people who are that driven, you know, it takes a toll on them too. So I think if you're going to spread your wings, you know, you kind of have to know in your heart, like, okay, this is not working. I've tried every which way to make this work. It's not. So let me move on and go in another direction. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to part two, how do you know if you're doing the right thing? 
I love what you said about the salespeople standing outside, right? Because, you know, whenever I worked at a dealership, and this is part of what I train dealerships on, you know, to me, any salesperson that's going to sit around and wait for an opportunity to come is not somebody I want working for me. Um, and when I worked for dealerships, I would tell I would tell my salespeople straight up, I would say, look, if you're not bringing in customers, I'm sorry, you, you don't have a place here. Because to be honest, if you're going to just sell the dealership traffic that I have to spend, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to bring here, I can get anybody to do that, which is 100% true. So, you know, the dealerships that I worked for and what I train the salespeople on as I do dealership training is they have to establish a personal brand. Um, I think it's so important. You know, I know it's something that's talked about on LinkedIn, probably on a daily basis, establishing a personal brand. Um, it's something that, you know, when I when I made the commitment to become self-employed, part of the gig was, okay, you have to be on social media heavy and you have to advertise yourself because if not, who's going to know? You know what I mean? And then you have to spend tens of thousands of dollars on yourself just for people to know who you are and what you do versus having a personal brand and people finding out through you just posting on social media and advertising yourself for free. So, you know, I think it's important for people to know this is not just specific to the car business. I think if you're in sales at all, you should be looking at ways to have a personal brand and establishing a personal brand on at least one social media platform. Whatever fits your identity, whatever fits you as a person, you know, whether it's TikTok, Instagram, whatever culture works best for you, you should look at at least having one social media platform and starting to build a brand and starting to have a following on social media because that's how people know, okay, I know what he does or she does. I know who they are, what they do. And I know if I need X product, I can go see this person. Um, and the way I learned that was I had a salesperson who was working for me. Uh, he had, when he first started working for me, he had about 4,000 followers on Instagram and he would sell two or three cars a month off his Instagram following. And as time went on, he wasn't even taking the dealership's traffic at all. He was just strictly selling the customers that he had, that he would bring into the dealership from Instagram. And he would sell 15 to 20 cars a month and occasionally sell a car. I would have to grab him and say, hey, I need you because we're busy. I would have to grab him to take the dealership traffic. But that was just pure additional business for the dealership. And that's really, it was a powerful thing for me because I said, okay, wow. You know, and he didn't spend anything on it. He spent literally nothing, but he just posted daily. He had a brand. He, he branded himself, you know, he called himself Jay the Salesman. And, you know, people knew who he was in his little community. But, you know, every single day he was making appointments for himself. And like I said, it was all it, it was all additional advertising for the dealership that we had to spend zero on. Mm. So that was really powerful. That's that's and, where I was. And, and what was his what was his content? What was he doing on Instagram? In this case, photos, videos, all the above. Yeah, photos, videos. He would do some videos of himself. He would do he also did a little bit with nightlife. So he would like do videos of himself bartending. But when he would be out bartending, he'd be making contacts and connecting with people on Instagram. And then as he connects with somebody on Instagram during the day while he was working for us, what he would do is we would get in, a let's say, a new used car. We'd get in like a Mercedes or something flashy. Well, the first thing he'd do, he'd grab the keys, he'd take it to a remote section of the parking lot, and he'd film a video of himself, about a one-minute video of him walking around the car, showing all the features and saying, hey, 
I'm Jay. You can come see me at X Nissan. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, two minutes later, his phone's blowing up. And people were like, <laughs> people were like hey, I, we can, I can get that car. And he's like, yeah, just come on in. And sure enough, like literally an hour later, he'd have two customers there fighting over a car. It was, it was crazy, but it was so well, there, There's something so cool in there because it's like how to sell a Mercedes at a Nissan dealership. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But and, no, I mean, he, his following, I mean, I, when I tell you people were very loyal to him and the, the thing that, that really set him apart, and this is what, like I said, not just car salespeople, but any salesperson should understand. When people were coming to the dealership, they were coming to see him. Mm. The car was cool. But at the end of the day, a lot of the people weren't getting the cars that, that they even saw him post. Mm. They were coming in and getting completely different cars, mm -hmm. but they were coming in to see him. And as long as we could find a way to make the car fit into a person's budget, they wanted to buy a car from him. It had nothing to do with the car. And that's really what's so powerful about the whole thing is that, you know, people want to deal with people. You know, the, the days of brand advertising are not as powerful. You know, people want to deal with people. That's why, you know, Michael Jordan was such a hit because people resonated with him. They resonated with the sneaker, but they resonated with him, the person mm -hmm. and his personal brand before this was even before social media was even a thing. And so, you know, it's that's 30 years we're talking, 30, 40 years we're talking about now. Same rules apply. And I think that's that's the one thing I learned from working with Jay. He's a good friend of mine. I still talk to him all the time. But um but that's one thing I learned from him, and, and it's it still rings true to this day. You know, what's so interesting to me about this is that so many folks have uh, a skill. They've acquired a set of hard and soft skills. And uh, I, I sound like Liam from Taken now. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, we, 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 we have, you know, we have these, these skills that we've acquired over some time. And we at one point realized, okay, maybe we want to be entrepreneurial with them and work for a company, or we want to be entrepreneurial with them and we want to work for ourselves. And uh, the problem, though, is that if those skills aren't marketing or inherently marketing driven, that you might suffer from the marketing problem where you're high skilled, but then you've never had to self market. You've always had a sales team or you've always had a marketing team to do that for you. And I think that that's where I've seen a lot of failure, in fact. And the reason why I can say this is because, you know, I, I've been there. I know what that's like. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I've it's forced me to think about marketing and everything and anything that I do, especially when you have limited resources, when you're working for yourself or working in a small group environment. You know, you have to have that level of resourcefulness. Yes. So my question for you is, how can you recommend that people learn how to self market to get on LinkedIn to network to do the intro video like the one that you've done to create, you know, content marketing like some of the posts that you've done that have attracted people that then you can bring into your ecosystem and then potentially do business with? That's, that's a great question. And, you know, it's, it's so funny that we're talking about this because it's what, it's literally one of the chapters in the book. You know, one of the chapters in the book is marketing yourself. And one of the chapters in the business of time is selling yourself. Um, and I, you know, I, I think it's what I've learned over time. And I, I actually learned this crazy enough, not really even from working at dealerships, because a lot of dealerships don't even have a marketing department, but more so I learned this from LinkedIn a lot. But, you know, I think the idea is, and what I do, you've probably seen, you have to be yourself, right? Because 
you know, everybody, if you're posting on LinkedIn, anybody who posts on LinkedIn, you're going to cross pollinate with someone else when it comes to content, right? You just will. There's only so much you can say about personal branding. There's only so much you can say about money. There's only so much you can say about business before your, your, your exact content looks just like someone else's looks just like someone else's. Right. But what people can't do is they can't replicate you a hundred percent as a person. Now they can try, but it's going to be inauthentic and people are going to see right through it. Right. Um, you know, let's, let's use Gary Vee as an example. Not everybody can be Gary Vee. A lot of people try to be Gary Vee, but not everybody can be Gary Vee. Not everybody can just sling curses around all day and get away with it. Right. I couldn't get away with that. I think people feel like well, this, this guy's out of his mind. Right. <laughs> so, but you know, the thing that, the thing is, and what you see, like you said, in my intro video is I've learned very clearly throughout, you know, my journey on social media is that, you know, I'm me, you know, Ruben's Ruben, Ruben has his lane. I have my lane, you know, and maybe sometimes we're going to share connections, but in the grand scheme of things, if I'm always myself, I'm going to have my tribe. If Ruben's always himself, he's going to have his tribe. Right. So, I think it's so important to understand who you are as a person and don't be afraid to act as yourself. And that's okay. Right. If some, if some people don't like it, that's fine. I know some people don't like my content. I've witnessed myself get unfollowed. That's okay. And I've also unfollowed people who I started following and realized I really can't stand their content and I unfollow them, you know, and that's okay. Right. We all have that choice and we all have that decision to make. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're yourself, you're going to attract more people who, like you and like your personal brand versus, you know, if you're trying to be someone else, well, if you're trying to be Gary Vee, why do they need you? They have Gary Vee. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is really what differentiates you is you. That's it. Like there's, there's not too much more to it. Yeah. And I think that this is uh, in the spirit of Sun Tzu's art of war or pretty much any strategy book it's it's using the resources that you have to your to your avail to your to your to your best benefit and then mm -hmm. effectively getting ahead of your competition and in this case i think what's most important is providing value to your audience or to your tribe and i think the way that the the playing ground gets leveled here for small businesses entrepreneurs and large companies here is that the larger the company the bigger the environment the more red tape there is Mm -hmm. the, the more bureaucracy there is, the more brand guidelines there are, which means that it takes more time. Now, you can't self-produce something. You can't put that video out there. You can't put that blog post out there. It needs to go through the proper channels. Mm -hmm. and, and I respect that. And that makes sense. And there's a reason why that stuff exists. But as a small business person, you don't, you're, not, you're not held to the same level of scrutiny. You know, you can put something much more raw out there. You can do a video of you walking your dog or yeah. of a very casual video or of, of a blog post that's very kind of conversational in nature. Uh, these are ways that we can lean into our limitations, you know, our, uh, you know, caps, if you will, uh, and, and really ultimately benefit the most out of it. Because if you can get content out sooner, faster, you can get more data, more information, more connections, and ultimately more relationships and more sales. No, preach. I mean, you're you're a hundred percent right. And I mean, listen, like you said, it makes sense. If you have a big brand, you know, you have to have the red tape because at the end of the day, if people are doing stuff that's off brand, 
they can damage the brand's reputation. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense, right? But like you said, I mean, if we're ourselves, you can be your own best friend or you can be your own worst enemy. And yeah. what I mean by that is if, if you're putting out good content, if you're bringing value, if you're doing the things that people like and enjoy and appreciate, then like you said, you could do it two times, three times, five times a day, and that's it, right? Nobody's gonna stop you. And you know, if you're not putting out good content, then of course you can also damage your reputation to the point where people are just gonna continue to unfollow you. But you know, generally speaking, if you have some sense of what's acceptable on social media, you, you know, like you said, the playing field is more than level at this point. I think it's actually tilted more toward the individual creator than it is, like you said, the big brand. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is in today's world, um, it's it's never been less expensive to be your own boss. You know, websites are dirt cheap. I, I, I just acquired a website for under $150 a year, right? So we're talking a little bit more than $10 a month, right? To have a, to have a website, to be professional. And that's one of the biggest driving factors of people believing in you and having credibility. And it costs, let's call it $15 a month, right? So, and you can build a very nice website that's very capable for that money. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think the playing field is, is more than leveled. And I think that there's so many people missing an opportunity to establish, you know, not just for themselves, a personal brand, but also for their businesses. There's so many businesses who really don't take social media seriously. And it's such a huge opportunity that they're missing because, you know, I don't know. I really don't understand why people don't make the commitment to social media. It's free. It's it's absolutely free. Yes, it takes time, of course, but, you know, it also takes time to put together a 30 second uh, ad and mm -hmm. it'll cost a lot of money to produce that ad. So, you know, you can spend, let's say, eight hundred thousand dollars putting together a 30 second spot or you can. And that's going to take, you know, a couple hours to shoot or you can put up a post in, let's call it 30 minutes and be done and advertise your brand and keep yourself in front of people. And guess what? Everybody's got one of these and they're on it all day, every day. So if you're going to shoot a 30 second spot and spend the money for it, and then you have to spend money to get it on cable television or radio, you know, versus, Hey, I'm scrolling Instagram. Oh, so so-and-so's brand came up. Hmm. Same thing. It's they're both branding opportunities because you can't really measure TV it's dang near impossible to measure radio, but you can actually measure the leads you get from social media. That's right. So, you know, I think the, the playing field is more than leveled. And I really think people, if they're not establishing a personal brand, I, I don't really care what you're doing. The way I see it, let's say you work for somebody and you have a steady job, but what happens if we all have seen what's happened with the pandemic? What happens if you're jobless tomorrow? You know, you're up against everybody else who's jobless and if they have a better resume or just they happen to get in front of a recruiter for some reason you're done but if you have a social if you have a brand on social media and a company is seeing you out there all day every day and they're like hey this guy was doing the same thing except he's got 15,000 followers on social media he's got a little bit of influence we see people are paying attention to him why don't we talk to him you know um and i know for me personally my personal brand has brought me clients from LinkedIn. I've gotten consulting gigs just from people seeing me on, on social media 
and they'll just DM me, hey, I saw you are in the car business. We were looking for somebody to give us a little bit of information. Would you help us? Absolutely. It's free. Yeah. It costs me nothing. Well, I, so. I the, yeah, man, that, that's preach, preach. I mean, the, the thing that, uh, the thing that I really connected here, in fact, and actually I, I actually struggle with it a little bit is we love the automotive industry. You know, I, the type of, of salespeople that I always love working with are people that sell cars. First of all, I love cars and I recently went through the process of buying a car, which I really love four by four. Uh, but <clears throat> the thing that I struggle with is that when I try to evangelize video messaging, for salespeople, mm -hmm. which is effectively what Dub is. Dub is a video communication platform for salespeople. The problem that I encounter is that there's a lot of closed mindedness about this. You know, my pitch might be listen, go grab the Dub mobile app, record a video in front of that Mercedes Benz, make it 30 seconds, send it to one person, make it personalized, connect with them, show them this product, explain to them how this car is going to make them feel, right? And then Use simple calls to action, have a have a booking link, have a form to fill out, have some ways that they can raise their hand if they're interested. Mm -hmm. um, and then do that 50 times a day and go bring in leads and self-market. So mm -hmm. that's my pitch. But for 90% of the people in the automotive industry, it's just confusion. that they, they don't connect the dots. They don't that doesn't make sense to them. For the 10 person percent of the people that do, for them, our conversion rate is is the absolute highest. Mm -hmm. But it's just getting over that 90% hump of, I don't really understand what this is. And maybe we're not doing a good job to communicate it, or maybe it's just too early, or maybe the industry is a little bit old school. I, I don't know what it is. I, I take full you know accountability for this. But my question for you is, how can we evangelize doing intro videos, kind of like the one that you have on your LinkedIn page, you know, using content like that to connect with people, either on an email, SMS basis, or through social media? So, uh, and I'll tell you this, and I'm glad you, you take responsibility for it. It actually has nothing to do with you. And, you know, I mean, I wish I could say, yeah, you could do this better. Car salespeople, car dealership owners are very close-minded. You know, um, it's, it's part of the reason why I don't, I don't have a huge client database. Not that, not that I can't have more clients, but for me personally, in a consulting role, look, I'll take your money, but if you're not going to listen to me, right, it's not going to do either of us any good. And there's a lot of that in the car business. It is a very archaic business. I mean, I've talked about it relentlessly through, for the past year. It is a super archaic business. The, the owners that are open-minded, their dealerships are thriving and they're blowing up right now. And the owners that are stuck in the 80s and 90s, which there are more of them then there are the open-minded progressive owners. You know, their sales are slipping and slipping and slipping. And, you know, actually as a consultant, they'll say to me, what, what's going on? How come I can't, how come I can't be like this dealership? I'm like, well, you're using the same practices you're, you, that, that were in effect when I first got into the business 15 years ago and they don't work anymore. It's not, it's not you know, the world has changed, right? Um, you know, your your clients from age 20 to age 35 are social media driven, right? They just are. So if you're doing TV ads and radio ads and your salespeople aren't having personal brands, first of all, most people don't even have cable TV anymore, which is where the cable ads are going. 
you know, I actually did a poll about this on LinkedIn and the 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 statistics was 74 percent had cut the cord, meaning they weren't they didn't have cable in the house. Mm-hmm. So 74 percent didn't have cable in their house. Right. People are still marketing on radio. Nobody uses radio anymore. People are using Spotify. They're using Tidal. They're using Pandora. They're using streaming services. Everybody's got Bluetooth in their car. Bluetooth has been a thing since the early 2000s. So everybody has Bluetooth in their car. They're not listening to radio anymore. So, you know, dealerships are, are using these mediums. And I'm like, that, that's not an effective medium anymore. And you're still spending the same money for it. So, you know, for you, the, the only thing I could tell you to help your pitch would be a success story. Like I said, like my friend Jay, who you could say, look, you know, do what you will. You don't have to do it our way. But there are salespeople who sell 15, 20 cars a month just off their personal brand, right? Just off making connections on social media. They're selling 15, 20 cars a month and they don't have to do anything to advertise themselves. And they're an asset to the dealership. And the dealerships want to pay them extra money because they're such an asset to the dealership. So, you know, that would be the one thing I could tell you. It does it does work for some of my clients. Like I said, the open minded clients, they're like, all right, let's do it. I do have some clients that are now on TikTok and, you know, they'll start a video on TikTok, post it to Instagram, post the same video to Facebook all in one shot. So you hit three social media platforms with one video that takes about three minutes to make. So, you know, there's some dealerships that are doing that and they're starting to see returns. Their salespeople are like, the next time I see them, they're like, you know, I have four people come in off one video. I'm like, I I told you, this is not rocket science. It's free advertising. Mm. And the more you do it, the more you stay in people's faces, the more opportunity there is. Um, So, you know, the the dealerships that try it and do it, they absolutely, they, they are being, they are successful with it. Um, but you know, like I said, it's, it's a lot of, it's not your fault. I mean, the car business is just an archaic business, unfortunately. And, you know, I try to break them of it because, you know, when I have a client, I'm like, look, everything's changed. You know, the reason my last dealership went from 44 cars in January, I arrived in April and by July we were doing 108 cars, which is more than double is because they gave me the leeway to do it my way. And I did all the things I'm telling you guys to do, you know, have your salespeople establish personal brands, make sure your salespeople are doing follow up, not just waiting at the door. Like you said, Um, you know, there's things that you can do that can make you successful. And if you don't want to take these steps, you're going to get left behind because the traffic's not there anymore. Because, you know, another thing that has changed in the car business is walk-in traffic is almost non-existent at most dealerships. Mm -hmm. There are certain dealerships that have, you know, that have had a following for 30, 40 years and people just love them and keep coming back. Well, isn't but, it, isn't it funny where you go to a car dealership and I'll go back to my Nissan example and there's a beautiful glass front door with all these gorgeous vehicles that the Nissan GTR is right there on the floor. The old school Datsun is right there, which I'd love to check out the 1978 one, you know, with the metallic gray, it's unbelievable. And then there's, you know, four security guards <laughs> At the front door, intimidating me from walking in. I am intimidated to walk in and go look at that yeah. GTR. I am intimidated, and as a result, I do not. I go on the website, you know, yeah. or you know. Oh, um, that's 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 spot on, man. And and you know, just to, just to piggyback off that real quick, I tell people like, look, you should be at your uh, at your desk on your phone doing something productive to generate opportunities for the dealership. Mm-hmm. That's that's like I said, that was a big reason why. 
we, you know, we blew that last dealership I was at up. First of all, I brought Jay over and I made him the director of social media immediately. You know, he was a salesperson for me when I had this opportunity to be an operations manager. My first call was to Jay and I said, hey, you're going to run my social media department. And we worked out a pay plan. Boom. And that took off. And then the next thing was I said, said to my salespeople, look, I don't need you sitting here waiting for opportunities because I can get anybody to do that. Anybody. So if you're not going to be producing and generating, you know, leads and customers for the dealership, I don't need you. That's it. I don't. I really don't. Because not for nothing, anybody could stand by the door. I could stand by the door. It's not a productive use of my time, but mm. I could stand by the door and sell the cars myself. I don't yeah. need that. So I well, respond. Well, I think what's what's great about this model is that it it's self-empowering. You know, uh, link in bio, I think, is 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 a tactical thing that we can do, which is to put our link in our profile on various social networks so that people can ultimately connect with us. But it's also a philosophy. It's I'm going to create content on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. But then I'm also going to invite people to come and check out another spot, a link where they can book a time or they can raise their hand or learn more about me. You know, my my favorite tip to give people is is to go put and it's a little self-serving because we empower this through our technology, but dub allows you to create a quick video message with a calendar integration. Put that as your your bio link in your Instagram, your TikTok, your LinkedIn. Have people watch a short intro video about you and then book a time in your calendar or fill out a form or whatever you want them to do because ultimately it's going to empower you to the next level. So uh, Timothy, I wanted to thank you for for your time here. You know, you've got a book on Amazon, The Business of Time. You've put a lot of time into that. Beautiful color on that book. It's green. It's the color of money <laughs> and and plants. And uh, you know, I invite I invite people to connect with you on LinkedIn uh, because you obviously are doing well on LinkedIn. You're making a great network for yourself, but also to to check out your your book. Thank you so much. Yeah, Business of Time is available now. Uh, signed copies are also available on bizoftime.com. So, you know, listen, and I hope if anybody watched this, the, the thing I'll tell everybody is I practice what I preach and, you know, it's it's been a life changer for me. Social media, like you said, the link in bio, it, it's a life changer. It's absolutely life changer. And it's, it's made my stress level go from here to <laughs> on the floor. And, you know, <laughs> my income hasn't suffered, so I, I can't be happier at this point. So nice, thank man. you so much for having me, Ruben. I really appreciate it. Likewise, stick around. I'll share some notes with you. All right. Thanks so much.